One of my favorite ways to unwind is by playing a game on my phone while I relax on the couch. And June's Journey is my new favorite as it combines several of my favorite things, finding hidden items, decor and design, and solving a murder. In June's Journey, you dive into June's captivating quest to uncover a scandalous hidden family secret while discovering the truth behind the unexplained death of her sister. As you uncover clues, you also get to build your own island estate with expansive gardens and beautiful buildings. You get to collect scraps of information to fill your photo album and learn more about each character. You get to chat and play with or against other players by joining a detective club. You'll even get the chance to play in a detective league to put your skills to the test. So can you crack the case? Download June's Journey for free today on iOS and Android. This episode contains adult themes and is not appropriate for all audiences. Listener discretion is advised. Hello, the world. This is They Will Kill, a true crime podcast. I'm Sadie Eck. And I am Courtney Tooth the Claw Eck. Oh yeah, I'm Tooth the Claw. Just Tooth the Claw. <laughs> uh, happy to be here. And oh, it, This yeah. is They Will Kill a True Crime Podcast. Did we get that far? Yeah, I already said that. Okay, sorry, I thought we got derailed by Tooth the Claw. I'm pretty sure I said it. Well, now you know, guys. Welcome yep. to They Will Kill a True Crime Podcast. <laughs> Your hosts, Tooth the Claw and Tooth the Claw. Yep. Uh, it's Courtney's night. So let's do it. Yeah. Well, and guess what I'm talking about tonight? Tooth the claw. Close. I'm on a. I'm on a roll. I'm on a stream. Serial killers. Yes. Wow. I'm, it's summer. The serial killer for they will kill. Once again, I started researching one story, and turns out the story is a serial killer story. We. Sweet. We just talk about serial killers now. That's our. <laughs> Hey, I can't stand them. I never want to cover them except for uh, five times in a row. So <laughs> you can't, you know, what can you do? I can't. I just got to go with it. Can't, can't fight, fight the stream of killing. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, tonight I am talking about the Hollywood Ripper, Michael Gargiulo. In 1993, in Glenview, Illinois, 18-year-old Trisha Picaccio had gotten together with a group of friends on Friday the 13th to go out to dinner at TGI Fridays, and then participated in a scavenger hunt. Oh, like, that sounds so nice. Doesn't that that. fun? I know. Trisha got home at around 1 a.m., and very unfortunately, someone was hiding in the bushes near her home, ambushed her, and stabbed her to death just feet from her door. No. Yeah. The next morning, her father was walking to his van when he noticed two Mm-mm. tennis shoes by the side door. When he investigated further, he found the body of his daughter near the garage and let out a, quote, blood-curdling scream and tried to revive her, hoping beyond hope that she was still alive. No. He said, quote, I died right then and there. That is the worst feeling in your life when you can't do nothing for somebody you love. No. Oh. I just, no. Mm -mm. Trisha was described as energetic, always happy, and, quote, loved everyone and everything. She, quote, trusted everyone, had a great attitude, and knew what she wanted out of life. Trisha was just days away from starting college at Purdue, where she would study engineering and environmental issues. The community was beside itself, trying to wrap their minds around who would have targeted such a bright, loving young woman with her whole life ahead of her. Cook County began investigating, and the first responding officer reports in retrospect that he believed the crime scene could have been handled a lot better. Oh, I hate it. And that the team assigned didn't do an adequate job securing the scene and protecting potential evidence. Like, okay. I know. I just... I know. Police initially had 15 suspects they were looking into, starting with a neighbor and friend of Trisha's two brothers, Mike Gargiulo. It's him. Do it. Rest him. <laughs> you picked it up based on the name. 
Mike was a very strong young man whose friends said seemed to have two sides. On first you, meeting... I'm sorry, you said strong? Very strong, yes. Okay. Like physically strong? Physically strong. Okay. Mentally, not so much. Okay. On first meeting, he seemed like a sort of a shy and awkward teen, and a friend said he had what he referred to as a, quote, crazy switch, where if he really wanted something, he was going to get it one way or another. Mm. The Picaccios weren't at all suspicious of their quiet young neighbor, but said he started giving them gifts following Trisha's death. No, he didn't. At one point, he brought them a bouquet of flowers. At Easter, he brought them a lily. He bought them a gift certificate for a restaurant and even bought Trisha's father a shirt. What? I would, that is, I would be so creeped out if this teenage boy just started bringing me shit after my Ew. kid was murdered. A shirt? A shirt. Like flowers, sure. A lily, you know, that, okay, but a shirt. Police found this behavior very strange, and a psychologist reported to police that he seemed to have been atoning for his sins by giving them presents. Mm-hmm. Gargiulo had a small criminal record for theft, and Trisha's brother Doug also reported a strange conversation he had with Gargiulo, where he asked Doug if he knew who had killed his sister, would he kill that person? Doug responded that of course he would, and soon after the police called Doug to inform him that Gargiulo had reported that Doug had threatened him. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> no, no, no. I know, this guy. Gargiulo eventually agreed to speak to police and was aware that they were also looking at his friend Eric as a suspect, so was more than eager to point the blame in Eric's direction. Yeah, I bet. Gargiulo claimed that the morning after the murder, Eric came to his home and asked him to help him hide something he was carrying in a gym bag. Gargiulo claimed he didn't know what the bag contained, but, quote, strongly implied it contained the murder weapon and his story worked. Oh, no. Eric flat out refused to speak to police and so quickly became their prime suspect. Shit. Unfortunately, police were never able to conclusively tie Gargiulo, Eric, or any other suspects to the murder. Very strangely, Gargiulo showed up at the Picaccio's home five years later and asked to speak with Trisha's father. He waited for more than an hour for her father to return when Trisha's father recalls seeing Gargiulo's face when he got home and said he had a look on his face like he wanted to tell him something. Before Gargiulo could say what he'd come to say, his father and sister arrived and told him he needed to leave with them. Trisha's parents say that was the moment they became convinced that Gargiulo had something to do with their daughter's death. <sighs> They called police to report the incident, but unfortunately, Gargiulo had skipped town and moved to California to put an end to his run as the main suspect in Trisha Picasso's murder. Damn it. Police continued to work through their leads, but were unable to find any conclusive evidence, and the case went cold for over a decade. I hate it. In Hollywood, California, in 2001... 22-year-old Ashley Ellerin was a beautiful, vibrant, fun-seeking transplant from Northern California who moved to L.A. to pursue fashion design and was a student at the Fashion Institute of Design and Merchandising. Ashley quickly developed a strong core group of friends who shared her interest in exploring all that L.A. had to offer, particularly the nightlife and rubbing elbows with celebrities, and they spent most of their nights out doing just that. Ashley eventually caught the eye of rising star 23-year-old Ashton Kutcher. Oh. I know. And after hanging out with him a couple of times, the two started dating. Kutcher asked Ashley to come with him to a Grammy after party on February 21st, 2001, and she was, of course, excited to join him. The plan was for Kutcher to pick her up and bring her to the party, and he arrived at her at home at 1045 that night, but Ashley never answered the door. Damn it. Kutcher claimed that he looked through her window before he gave up on waiting for Ashley and saw what he thought was spilled wine on the floor. You are kidding me. Oh. Very tragically, it wasn't wine that Kutcher saw on Ashley's floor that night. Oh, no. The next morning, Ashley's roommate came home to find Ashley stabbed to death on the stairs near the entryway of their home. (laughs) 
Like, no, you're supposed to go on a date with Ashton With Kutcher. Ashton Kutcher to a Grammy party. He's going to be so famous and rich in, like, one year. Seriously, you'll marry him, you'll have his babies, or you'll get <sighs> stabbed to death right before your date. That is so fucked up. Isn't that so tragic? Like, worst case scenario, in your mind as you're getting ready for this amazing date, you're going to get a stomach flu. But right. no, you get fucking stabbed to death in your home the oh same night you're supposed to go to the Grammys with Ashton Kutcher. What the fuck? Wow. Police reported that it seemed that whoever killed Ashley had specifically targeted her and seemed fueled by a tremendous amount of rage against her based on the severity and number of stab wounds. Unfortunately, police completely lacked any solid leads, with their only suspect being someone Ashley had met in the neighborhood a couple weeks previous who'd introduced himself as a heating and cooling technician named Mike Gargiulo. As we already know, Mike Gargiulo had moved to California to escape the scrutiny of the police investigating the Trisha Picasso murder, but he also wanted to pursue acting and boxing, which he did with limited success when he first arrived. Gargiulo was described as kind of strange, quiet, and withdrawn, and when Ashley and her roommates interacted with him... He gave them an odd vibe as well. Ashley's friends don't remember Gargiulo asking Ashley out on a date, but they did report him being strangely fixated with Ashley and her glamorous lifestyle to the point that he would stare at her at parties and was spotted by a roommate watching Ashley's home from his running car in the early hours of the morning. No, I don't like that. No, thank you very, very much. I don't, I, like, what the fuck would you do if you came home and somebody was just staring at your house? <laughs> I would shit myself. I mean. I don't know. Like, that's. It's, it's a very, I've said this a million times, but the horror isn't the monster. The horror is the anticipation of yes. the monster, right? Like. Yes. If I look out the window and someone is staring at my house. Yeah. I'm. I'm going to die. I'm just going to yes. proactively kill myself because that is so scary. Yes. The roommate confronted Gargiulo the next day when he stopped by for a visit, and Gargiulo claimed he couldn't go home that night because the FBI were waiting for him at his house to collect DNA samples for a murder that had occurred near Chicago. Lord. Like, why were you staring at my house last night? Well, because the cops wanted me for a murder (laughs) in Chicago. Whoa, cool. Great. I'm glad we cleared that up. Oh, yeah. Hmm feel much more relaxed knowing that you're staring at my house to avoid going <laughs> home to get your DNA collected for a murder. God, what a bozo. What a bozo. When the roommate asked him what he had to hide, Gargiulo put his leg up on the couch and started to pull a knife out of a holster he had strapped to his ankle. What? Yes. The roommate immediately rushed him out of the house and demanded he never return. That is so scary. What do you have to hide? What do you I like my you. ankle night? Yeah, fuck oh, that God. creep. Ashley and her friends assumed he'd been trying to impress them with his strange bravado and dismissed his claims completely. Because of course you would. Be like, why were you staring at my house? Oh, it was FBI. It totally wants me. You guys want to see my cool knife? You know, mm-hmm. and just be like, all right, cool. okay, dude. Yeah. Once again, police weren't able to find any credible evidence tying Gargiulo or anyone else to Ashley's murder, and the case went cold. In 2005, in the L.A. suburb of El Monte, 32-year-old Maria Bruno was found stabbed to death in her bed. Someone had removed a screen from a kitchen window, found a kitchen knife, and attacked her while she slept defenseless in her own bed. God, Worst one, worst one. These are all ticking off the boxes yes. for me. Because yes. it's like the night before something really exciting is going to happen. I mean, especially as a kid, like Christmas Eve, I was mm-hmm. like, I'm definitely going to die in my sleep tonight because I'm so excited. <laughs> yes. I remember I remember very vividly thinking that every Christmas Eve, yeah. like, please just let me die in my sleep tomorrow night. Tonight, I just, <laughs> like, please just let me get to my presents, you know? It's, it's so surprising that you, you've uh, dealt with anxiety your whole life. <laughs> <laughs> Worst case scenario, me? No. <laughs> Much like Trisha Picasso's murder, police reported that the violence inflicted on Maria was, quote, phenomenal, and that she was left somewhat mutilated from the attack. Oh. 
Unlike Ashley Ellerin, Maria was very well loved and had no obvious enemies that would inflict that level of violence on her. Stop. He needs to stop. Police were able to eliminate burglary or sexual assault as motives for the murders and quickly ascertained that Maria had been, quote, killed just to be killed. Ugh. Luckily, this time, the murderer accidentally left something behind at the scene. DNA. Mm, nope. <laughs> Better. Just kidding. A blue cotton shoe covering. <laughs> it doesn't get any a, better than that. A booty. Oh, God. Oh, we got one, guys. Okay, Tell solved. me it's a booty. Tell me it's a booty. <laughs> <laughs> there was a drop of blood on the booty that DNA testing confirmed was Maria's. Okay. Are we talking like a surgical booty? Yeah, like okay. a like one of the booties that you wear to go to into cover a house. Your shoes. Yeah, yeah like okay. a if the cable guy shows up in the winter, kind of yes. a booty. Okay. Maria had immigrated to the United States from El Salvador as a child, met and married her husband when she was pretty young, and at the time of her death, she was the mother of two-year-old twins, a four-year-old, and a five-year-old. Shut up. About yeah. It. Maria had recently separated from her husband, who had custody of the children, and was just getting on her feet again as a single woman. I mean, small mercy, but luckily the kids weren't there. It's so lucky. Ugh. Ashley moved into an apartment complex, and you'll never guess who lived across the courtyard in view of her front door. Hmm. Number one bozo. Michael fucking Gargiulo. At the time, Gargiulo didn't come on the police radar, and with no other evidence but the booty to work with, the case went cold. Ugh. Booty technology testing just wasn't the same. <laughs> just wasn't there yet. In, in 2005. 2005. Yeah. yeah. It's come a long way, booty technology. <laughs> mm, 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 mm. That's a dance you do when you're doing booty technology. <laughs> in 2008, in Sacramento, California, at around 11.40 p.m., a man broke into the second-story apartment of a single young woman named Michelle Murphy through a window that was slightly open, proceeded into her bedroom where she was sleeping, and Michelle was awoken by the sensation of a knife being plunged into her body. Oh, God. I mean, if you had to list 400,000 things that I would like to be awoken by, that would be the 400,000th thing. God, no. Michelle was stabbed multiple times in her chest, shoulder, and right arm, and also had wounds on her hands from attempting to grab the knife. Remarkably, Michelle was able to get into a position where she was able to kick the assailant off of her, and instead of completing his attack, he ran away. Yes. Michelle reported that her attacker said, quote, I'm sorry, as he ran away. Yeah, fuck you. Yeah, I bet you are, you piece of shit. The attacker left a trail of blood out of the apartment and down the steps leading away from the complex. Two doors down to his own apartment. <laughs> Seriously. <laughs> God. Police followed the trail, but it came to a dead end and the attacker was long gone. Damn it. They did submit the blood DNA for testing and about 25 days later they received a hit. Want to guess who the blood belonged to? Number one, Bozo. Jeffrey Epstein. Really? Just kidding. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I was like, wait, why? That's weird. <laughs> Didn't see that coming. <laughs> I wish so badly that Jeffrey Epstein had something to do with this story. Just like, yeah, he's never yeah. marked. How do we not know that Jeffrey Epstein stabbed? <laughs> no. It was fully fucking Mike Gargiulo. Good. One day later, Gargiulo was arrested and charged with attempted murder, and police learned our boy had been living directly across an alley from Michelle's apartment with a direct view into her bedroom. Gross. Police said Gargiulo didn't seem at all surprised when they apprehended him, and he responded by saying, quote, which agency is this? You're kidding me. No. <laughs> God. Turns out Gargiulo's DNA had been collected by Cook County over a decade ago. And so Sacramento police immediately contacted Cook County to see what the connection was, and Chicago authorities informed them that he was a suspect in Trisha Picasso's murder. Cook County had actually reached out to Los Angeles detectives in 2002 to ask for help collecting a sample of Gargiulo's DNA. No. 
very coincidentally, they got the lead detective on the Ashley Ellerin case on the phone when they called. You're kidding. No. So they they called and were like, hey, we need help with this case. Uh, our lead suspect is Mark, Mike Gargiulo. And the guy was like, no shit. <laughs> but nothing I'm, happened? So it took the L.A. County detective over a year to track down Gargiulo and collect the DNA sample. Okay. Then on a hunch, so back to present day, on a hunch, the Sacramento detective reached out to the lead detective on the Maria Bruno case and then traveled to El Monte to help search Gargiulo's old apartment where they found a matching blue cotton booty in the attic that was identical to the one they found after Maria's murder. What is the chance? This, yes. and cannot keep the fucking booties on his feet. I kept him in the attic. They're murder booties. The Ugh. booty technology is too powerful. He knew that he would be, he, that would be it for him. Wow. Yeah. So all of the detectives submitted their combined evidence to the district attorney in Los Angeles, who determined that there was sufficient evidence to charge Gargiulo for the murders of Maria Bruno and Ashley Ellerin. Good. I know. So one huge question arose, which Sadie's already asked. After Gargiulo was charged with the three murders, why hadn't he ever been arrested for Trisha Pakasha's murder back in 2002 when the DNA matched? Police learned that the DNA collected by the Los Angeles detective was a confirmed match for some unidentified DNA found on Trisha's fingernails. So they confirmed it. They knew okay. in 2002. Yeah. So they knew in 2002 like, that it was his DNA because oh, they'd found some DNA under, on Trisha's fingernails. And then they, okay. So Cook County officials claimed that he wasn't arrested because the DNA evidence by itself wasn't enough to charge him with the crime because it could have been left as a, quote, defensive wound or through casual contact. Uh, no. No, no, no. I know. but, But touch DNA, as you know, and I know, is not good DNA evidence. So they found it under her fingernails? Well... So, since Gargiulo was a family friend and frequently in the home, they didn't feel it was enough to build a case against him. Additionally, they only used a single swab to collect all of the DNA on Trisha's fingers. Oh, God. So, it would have been impossible to determine whether it had come from the top of the fingernail or underneath it. Uh-uh. I, I have just fired all of the Cook County. Yeah. Everybody. Everyone there is fired. That's yeah. bullshit. I know, but I don't know. Yeah, Bullshit. I mean, the one guy said from the beginning it was not a very well-handled case. Well, yeah, and you, I mean, swabs are not that expensive. No, no, I will donate some. I've got a, some shorties in my medicine cabinet. You can have them right now. Despite the hesitancy of the Cook County authorities to charge Gargiulo in 2002, I also wonder if it's like, well, he's in California, he's not our problem anymore. Just side note. I don't know, though. They, I mean, I think police like to solve crimes. <laughs> and I do think that. Yeah. So if, you know, like, get him. Solve it. I know. But how, how, how is it? How do you do that? <laughs> you know, like, is that There's extradition. I know. But <laughs> like, that, that sounds like all a the time. lot of work, Sadie. <laughs> Not just for us. I want to go fishing. I don't want to file extradition <laughs> paperwork. <laughs> Uh, I hope that's not true. I hope so, too. But, I mean, it would be a good motivator, you know? If you're like, ugh, the evidence is weak and he's gone. And yeah. So, despite the hesitancy of the Cook County authorities to charge Gargiulo in 2002, Trisha's family was hopeful that his arrest for the California murders would change that, but nothing happened. Oh, God, you're killing me. So, fast forward to 2011... And 48 Hours aired a story about Gargiulo and the murders. And right after the show aired, a man named Tamar Leary reached out to the show and said he had information that might help them with Trisha Picasso's murder. And I, there's, you can read all about 48 Hours and how long they pursued this case and like worked with Trisha Picasso's parents. And wow. like it took like five or four or five years for them to get the families on board to record the episode and the host, um, Maureen Mare, Maureen Mare, like this was her baby. This was like her pet episode. Wow. Yeah. And so 
they reached out to her and were like, we have information. Good. So Leary had worked with Gargiulo as a bouncer in Hollywood and claimed that when they'd worked together, Gargiulo had bragged about murdering a girl in Chicago. Another bouncer friend was present and confirmed that story. Good. They claimed Gargiulo said, quote, yeah, I buried a bitch. I left the bitch on the steps for dead. Larry and his friend thought that Gargiulo was making it up as he was known to make up outlandish stories and dismissed his claims until they saw him on 48 hours. Could you imagine being like, holy shit. Uh, no. That's that doofus. That's that number one bozo. He <laughs> totally. was telling the truth. Remember that guy that we were always like slow jerk motioning behind uh-huh. him? He was telling the truth. <laughs> well, Leary said that he texted his friend, Anthony was his name, and was like, did you hear? And he was like, yeah, man, Gargiulo's a serial killer. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Oh. Yeah. I mean, I think about all the fucking, mostly guys, but people I've known like that over the years that are like, yes. yeah, man, I could kill you with one swipe of a sword or whatever. Yes. Like, okay. You know? Yeah, especially in like small town and high school situations, like eye roll, whatever. But then to find out that they fucking followed through with it. Yep. No, I can think of like twelve people off the top of my head. Oh yeah, everybody I was best friends with at age thirteen wearing like Metallica (laughs) shirts. Yes. After this new evidence was presented, Cook County State's attorney felt they finally had enough evidence to charge Gargiulo with Trisha Pakasha's murder as well. Oh, good. I'm glad. I know. I know. Finally. Yeah. This poor, poor family. The cutest, cutest parents. And they're just, nope. Sorry. Oh, you got the DNA? Slam dunk. Great. And they're like, nope. Can't do anything. I would would fucking flip out. Me too. I I don't know what I would do. Burn everything down. Right? Just drive my car right into it. And then like, you say, well, why not? Well, because we only used one swab for yeah. all of her fingernails. Yes. My 18-year-old daughter was stabbed to death on my fucking porch, and you used one swab. You didn't mm-hmm. think to take the five seconds to reach into your little mm-hmm. pocket pouch. Mm-hmm. Ugh, God. I, I don't know how people live with this shit. No, I, w- I don't know either. Michael Gargiulo's trial for the murders of two women and the attempted murder of a third began on May 2nd, 2019. Why? Which made it the longest case to go to trial in California history. Because he was arrested in like 2011? It took over 11 years to get to trial. Holy shit. Quote, there have been nearly 100 hearings. He's fired attorneys and even tried to represent himself. But now, with a new high-powered court-appointed legal team, the wait is over. Wow. I mean, this guy. They And, you know, there's tons of details about the trial and his, right. you know, each okay. case and stuff. But he really knew how to work the system. Even that shit he pulled with Trisha's brother, where he's like, would you kill her? And he said, yeah, of course I would. That he was like, goes to the police and tells them that the guy threatened him. You know, he's just... Shiesty. How long the serial killer, the other serial killer, the, what's his face? Uh, right, Charles Ng. Yeah. Yeah. How long did it take for him? A long fucking time. I can't like, remember, but yeah. Yeah. California. They're just like, we'll just take forever. It's fine. <laughs> like, oh, yeah. You want another trial? Okay, fine. What are we yeah. at? 89. Surely this is the last trial. Seriously. Oh, no, no. We've got another 50. Hearing. You know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. God. God. Yeah, hearing. Thank you. Witnesses at the trial included Michelle Murphy, who described grabbing the knife as Gargiulo tried to kill her, and Ashton Kutcher, who had plans to take Shit. Ashley Ellerin to a Grammy party the night she was murdered. God. And I remember seeing clips of him on on the stand. Yeah. I don't Definitely I never looked at Yeah. Yeah. That's where this started. It was like a a show about Ashley Ellerin and you know, of course they grabbed you with Ashton Kutcher. Oh yeah. Yeah. The prosecution claimed that Gargiulo was someone who was, quote, violent towards women, interested in serial, who was, quote, violent towards women, interested in serial killer Ted Bundy, and studied forensic science. His best friend claimed he'd studied forensics to prepare to get away with crimes. Quote, he would go online, whatever he could find about forensics. He would learn from people's mistakes, other criminals' mistakes. You know how to get away with a crime. And he told me, 
If he ever got caught committing any crime, he would just lie until he dies. Lie, lie, lie until you die. <laughs> he's, he is a piece of work. He's a real piece of work. My motto is lie, lie, lie until you cry. <laughs> <laughs> I was trying to think of some food related word that rhymes. Yeah, I couldn't. I was pie, also... lie, lie, lie until you pie. Until you eat all the pie. Until someone gives you one. God, I want pie. So much key lime. Oh my God. Fuck. <laughs> now I definitely have to drive to the store. Prosecutors presented evidence that he'd studied the anarchist cookbook to learn to kill with a knife, specifically focusing on stabbing the neck, and said he'd gained sexual satisfaction from his kills. Oh, Prosecutor said that. Gross. Quote, the prosecution points out that Gargiulo never raped his victims, but he controlled them, and say for Michael Gargiulo that control itself is a sexual thrill. Totally, and so is stabbing. Oh, yes, yes, 100%. yes. 100%. Yes. yes, stabbing is very um, phallic. Very, Ugh. yeah. God. Quote, it's control over life and death, so violence has become sexualized. I hate it. The trial lasted three months, included 79 witnesses and 350 pieces of evidence, and at the end, he was found guilty of attempted murder of Michelle Murphy, guilty of first-degree murder of Maria Bruno, and guilty of the first-degree murder of Ashley Ellerin. Good. The jury recommended the death sentence, but the governor of California has placed a moratorium on executions in the state. Gargiulo will officially be sentenced in July of 2021. And once he is sentenced, he faces extradition back to Illinois to go to trial for the murder of Trisha Picasso. How in the world did he, how has he not been sentenced yet? Can you believe that? I mean, 2019, like still a ways away from COVID. I can understand that. Yeah. That the pandemic slowed shut down, but. But still. Usually it's like a month. Right? Like three months at the most? Yes. Yes. No, that son of a bitch is still waiting to be sentenced. Like, just give him life in prison. We all know that's what's going to happen. So. That's what's going to happen. Like, it's a pretty on. much a no-brainer. Yeah. Like, you don't have to give him the death sentence because he's going to spend the rest of his life in jail. It's right. fine. He maintains his innocence to this day. So he hasn't been tried. Or, yeah, the trial hasn't begun yet for the other... For the other one. That start, wow. that happened in 1993, oh, when I was God. 13 years old. He killed someone in, when he was 13 years old, when I was 13 years old, and he still hasn't started the trial for it. Wow. I hate it. And that is the story of the Hollywood Ripper, Michael Dumbshit, fucking dickhead, <sighs> Number one bozo. Number one bozo. Certified. 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 So now we get to go to every address he's ever lived at and look Ooh. two doors down to figure yes. out who has died next to him. Precisely. Because you don't go from 1993 to 2001 and no. not kill anybody. And then 2001 to 2005, 2005 to 2000. You know, it's like, no, no fucking way. No. No. <laughs> not way. when it's like your career that you're researching and shit. Like, No. Exactly. I mean, maybe he could only kill people that he lived two doors down from because he was too <laughs> lazy to like walk any further. But right. yeah, Ugh. that's yes. There are if anybody knows anybody that got stabbed and it's unsolved in anywhere in Illinois or California. Definitely, your boy Mike is should be your number he one suspect. Yep. Fuck that guy. God, I hate his guts. I know. I do love the crack detective work, though, at the end when they were like, bing, bang, boom, figured it out. Call this guy. Happened to call this guy. As I was watching the 48 Hours, they had B-roll of dominoes falling. <laughs> <laughs> of course they did. I know, but it was really, that is really lucky slash good smart. Yes. The fact that the the guy... I'm assuming he probably looked back at where Mike lived and saw that Mike's neighbor got stabbed to death in the right. Maria Bruno case, but still, still, yeah. And that 48 hours cracked the Trisha Picasso story was pretty fucking great. I love some good investigative journalism. I know. Well, and they said that the host like called Trisha Picasso's parents and was like, it's your turn now. We got him. It's your turn. Wow. Yeah. It was like Ooh, sobbing. And, I know. Yeah. It's like the work we do here. 
(laughs) Cracking cases wide open every time. Oh, every time. (laughs) Cracking open the laptop to (laughs) to read articles about. Yeah. (laughs) So. Good one, Eck. I think that's all the serial killers I have in me. We'll see. I don't know. You're on a kick. It's just funny when you start. You, I mean, this happened to you last time, too. Yeah. Where you start on a case and you're like, oh, no, this is a serial killer? Fuck. Yes. Yep. And by then you're already like four hours in, you know? Yeah. <laughs> right. I mean, the last week's episode, well, he's not necessarily a serial killer, but it's very much like that. Yeah. Right. It's like, oh, no, not just one murder. All of the murders. All of the murders. Yes. Yeah. I mean, that's kind of a serial... I guess I'm more like a spree killer. I don't know. But still, yes, he killed multiple people. Yeah. And you're just trying to do a deep dive into one. No, no, right. no. Nope. You don't get to try do to that. Figure out why the fuck Ashton Kutcher's date didn't show up. Oh, God. I hate I know. that. It's so sad. And all these women, of course, were like gorgeous. Of course. Stunningly gorgeous. A piece of shit. And it seemed like he very much uh, wanted their lives. Ugh. I know. I know. That wasn't uh, super... I mean, they did say that he had sort of fixation on all of them. Like, he didn't ask them out, but he was just totally fixated by them. So I assume... I don't know anything about his upbringing, but... I assume, like, Trisha Picasso's family, because he was such good friends with the brothers, like, right. you know, he wanted in or something, you know, yeah. he wanted and started buying the parents presents. Oh, no. Uh, no, no, no. Like, can you be my mommy now? No, yeah. son. No, yeah. sir. Right, for sure. Whatever mental, like, picture he was painting yeah. for himself while stalking these poor women. Yeah. It's not something that I need to dwell on today no (laughs) just wanting to control them yuck (laughs) i hate it i hate stabbing oh me too oh me too don't stab me please no No. Mm -mm. did i already tell i don't know if i said it yet about ryan holding the axe in our kitchen (laughs) (laughs) i don't think so (laughs) i think Uh, i remember that (laughs) ryan uh got our dad a really beautiful axe for his birthday uh-huh. and his co-worker who's a woodworker like put the thing together and it was really special it was a beautiful axe right yeah yeah our dad is is like a woodsman type oh yeah it was it was Loves that kind of shit yes so fast forward ryan's birthday happened mid-march and his friend got him an axe for his birthday <laughs> i don't know <laughs> You know, not that Ryan has a lot of use for an axe, but yeah, I mean that's a nice keep heritage piece. Yeah, so right. he had an axe, and for a while it was in our kitchen, and it was older and not sharp, um, but just hanging out in our kitchen for a few days. And I was getting ready for bed and like turning the lights off or you know, <laughs> doing whatever you do, and I thought he was right behind me, like coming to bed. And he wasn't, and so I just turned to see <laughs> what he was doing, and oh I shit you not. Oh my god. My husband, who is six foot four and like not Broad. a small person, yes, no. was standing there like longingly, like caressing, <laughs> looking at this axe, just holding an axe in the middle of our kitchen. And I was like, "Here it comes!" Like, yeah, okay, yeah. So and then he looked up at me, and he was like, "Oh, I'm so sorry." And he put the axe <laughs> down. He knew, he knew that you were Jack Torrancing him in your well, mind. Yeah, I mean, like, who was just <laughs> caressing axes in kitchens? And he was like, I'm going to take it to work tomorrow and sharpen it. And I was like, oh, please don't. <laughs> please. Please do not do that. <laughs> uh, so or do, since, so that your right. kill is more swift. Seriously. Uh, so he has since... <laughs> He has since put the axe high in our garage, like away from our children. Okay, good. <laughs> and his own loving em- gaze and embrace. <laughs> yeah, it's always been the joke that you know, when Ryan and I met on, we met online, and the he didn't smile any of pictures. I think we've talked about that before, but yeah, doesn't and whether or not you know, like he was really funny, but maybe he was also a serial killer. Yeah, we're either like this is either your future husband or he's going to murder yeah, you, and, right? You so, know, maybe both. Maybe jury's both. still, yeah, jury's still out. Totally. Long con. He's long con in me. Yeah, it's a 
fucking that's a lot of work he's putting into <laughs> to the murder part <laughs> right Good. like 10 years and two kids later yeah. yeah man you guys parent very thoroughly too so he's like <laughs> he's an excellent dad Ooh, he really is he's putting in a lot of work to yeah. just could have killed you a long time ago Good for him. I know. Yeah. (laughs) To be admired. But anyway, so I don't want to get stabbed. I don't want to get axed. No, thank you. Uh, No, absolutely not. None of it. None None of it. it. I want to be Uh, lived, left alone. No staring at my house. No stabby in my bed. No, no. Just leave me alone. I don't even really want to talk to people most of the time. Nope. Me neither. I know. Yeah. Don't want to. (laughs) <laughs> Do you want to talk about another serial killer? Who? It's David <gasps> Berkowitz. Sons of Sam? Yeah, I finished it last night. Oh my god. If you haven't watched Sons of Sam. Yeah, like, fast forward a bit. Fast forward, like, one minute. Um, But watch it. Also, definitely yes. watch it. Yeah, it was really good. And it was one of those, I think that... I don't know, we mentioned it before, where you, like, I'm fully on board, and then the narrative shifts, and then I'm fully on board a different way. Yes. But I think that there definitely was more people involved. Yes. For sure, right? Yes. Like, the um, sketch, the composite sketches, that's that's what creeped me out the most of all of it. Yeah. Was to see how different they all were. Yeah. And, like... (laughs) Like and how they matched up of people, right? And you know, like just very different people. Yeah, but how they matched up with the other people that he was associated yes. with. Yes, right. Yeah. That too, like the yeah. cars, and so clearly, yeah. like I fully believe that there was more than Berkowitz. Yes, for sure. And the whole the thing that really got me about was just the mind fuckery of. This guy, you know, and he didn't do a very good job of presenting the information, but just being like, um, hello, hugest news ever, and just it not really ever getting attention or credibility or, you know, like... Well, especially in the time of, like, peak satanic panic. Yes. Yeah. You think people would, you know, like, leave the poor babysitters alone that did not touch the children and go after the actual... actual killers. The actual satanic cult. Like, go after them. (laughs) Yeah. Well, then that was the other thing, because, you know, how it's just, like, there's zero instances of satanic murder. You know, like, Mm -hmm. after all that satanic panic, and they're like, there are zero recorded... And then I'm like, but there is one now all of a sudden, right? you know? And mm-hmm. yeah, it just freaked me out that this poor guy and that David Berkowitz was like, nobody's ever going to believe you. No matter how hard you try, no one's ever going to believe you. And it's fucking true. It's yeah. like, it's all just hiding in plain sight. And that freaks me out. I mean, it's totally. just, you know, same as Trump shit. It's like, you just, you can just create whatever reality ultimately that you want there to be. And the system can, supports that. The media right. supports that. So it's like, once we've been on this path of David Berkowitz and the neighbor's dog and all that stuff for all these years, and then to have that narrative just like swiped right, right up from under you and to have been manipulated by you know circumstance the media detectives etc for all these years is very upsetting to me i find it very disturbing Mm -hmm. and i you know i know that's the case i know that you know we believe what they want us to believe or whatever but then when there's such an obvious instance of it i'm like ah yeah fucked up man no it's awful yeah i hate it Mm -mm. yeah super interesting though yeah and then i think it's too bad that i do think the the reporter's name was maury terry yeah i think so that he really did get obsessed and then his final interview with berkowitz is just really unfortunate that's (laughs) what i mean yeah Yeah. he did a terrible job terrible just like full-on leading every single question like never letting the guy talk yeah yeah uh laura's reading his book right now she said it's great oh yeah i should read it you can borrow it okay but yeah, watch it. It's fucking, it's great. It's very well done documentary. And yes. then the last little bit when they, when his suspicion came true with the murder in the church, I was like, oh, yep. That's a nice cherry on top. Yes, so, it is. It's good shit. And you know what else is good shit? Yes, I do. Give us some names, 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 names. So 
Hazelnut. (laughs) (laughs) So cute. N-U-T-T. Our listener who uh, introduced us to Charisma Joy wrote after the fact was like, I feel remiss for not saying Charisma with a K. Um which is so cute. If y'all remember cupcake with a K, which I honestly don't remember what that joke was about. I think it was a Patreon chat. Anyway, charisma is spelled with a K. It's charisma with a K, which I also feel remiss for not pointing that out. Uh, There's a dentist named Lester Payne, P-A-Y-N-E. And so his (laughs) name is Les Payne. (laughs) DDS. I fucking love that. Um, Somebody named their child... And this is confirmed. Crystal, first name. Shanda, middle name. Lear, last name. <laughs> Crystal Shanda Lear. <laughs> that has to be on purpose, right? I high five that mother and father and whoever else had anything to do with naming that child Crystal Chandelier. I wish my name was Crystal Chandelier. I did too. Saying it out loud is so fun. Um, there's a last name Fudge. <laughs> Um, and then somebody wrote us the cutest story about a teacher referring to this child. Uh, it was this woman's grandmother referring to this child in her class as <laughs> Bombinicious. He, he t- told her his name was Bombinicious <laughs> the first day of class. <laughs> and so she kept calling this child Bombinicious uh, during school and then met the child's parents and said, you know, I've loved having Bombinicious in my class. <laughs> <laughs> and the parents were like, um, why exactly are you calling our child Bombinicious? And <laughs> said, my grandmother embarrassed, exclaimed, that's what he told me his name was. The boy's mother called him over and asked him what he told his teacher his name was. And the poor sweet child responded, I told her my name was Daniel John, but I like to be called by my initials. <laughs> Oh, I love that one. <laughs> I love Bominicious. <laughs> oh, man. Right? It's so good. Oh, it's so good. So, thank you, guys. <laughs> <laughs> thank you endlessly. Thank you forever and always. For all that you do. Specifically, sharing us those adorable names. <laughs> and Les McBurney, I, I, Lieutenant Les McBurney, I think we covered that one, right? Yeah. Well, yeah. We can do it again. Well, I just want to tell everybody who sent me Lieutenant Les McBurney, I'm not ignoring you. I think I'm pretty sure I named it. I called it out on an episode, but there is a firefighter named Lieutenant Les McBurney. (laughs) (laughs) So um, it's keep sending it. I it's my favorite. It's so good. But yes, I just wanted to acknowledge. Oh, also correction, our dear listener Patreon supporter that I keep calling Sorian is actually it's pronounced Scorian. They very sweetly corrected us, and so I wanted to publicly correct, correct myself. Again. Yes, it's not Sorian. Scorian. So cool. So cool. You know who else is cool? Um, some patrons, patrons, well, a patron, patron. What's a what's a single patron? Patron, pat- patron, <laughs> patri, a patroni, patri. Uh, we got one. Yeah. A- yeah. Who is it? Thank you so much to Naomi C. Oh, it's Naomi Campbell. Yes, it is. Great. <laughs> Great. Yeah. It's she this us. supermodel legend, yep. actress, philanthropist. I don't know what Naomi Campbell does. Naomi Campbell. Yes. <laughs> Thank you. God. Yeah. yeah, she's amazing. That. Yeah. Yes. I'm very, very <laughs> glad she likes our podcast. <laughs> Thank you so much, Naomi Campbell. Thank you so much. Anything else? I think that's it, my dudes and my ladies and my non-binary listeners. My snorts? What did you decide they were called? My lorts. <laughs> yeah. No, I decided I'm not going to call my non-binary for yeah, friends no, and listeners my lorts, but unless <laughs> they want me to. I don't uh, think they do. Uh, should we do a poll? Hey guys, I know that there are several. We have several non-binary yes. listeners, and so at least four. <laughs> anyway, I love you guys. And if you want to hang out with us some more, you can find us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at They Will Kill. Go to our website, theywillkill.com. 
You can email us at theywillkillpodcast at gmail.com. Yeah, and you can rate, review, and subscribe to us. Yeah, you can. On Apple Podcasts, so do that, please. Yes, please. It's so fun. Um, Thank you, AJ Brigands, for our music. Every time. Thank you, every time. And remember... I'm completely unprepared with this, for this, with this today. Um, Mm. I just want to remind people that you can have both feelings, good feelings and bad feelings at the same time, Mm -hmm. and it doesn't Mm -hmm. take away from the good or bad feelings. That's a good thing to remind people of. It really is. I don't remember why I was thinking about that the other day. Yeah. Don't know why. But yeah. it's true. You can have yeah. both. And it's something yeah. I have to remind myself all the time because, it, like, especially when we do, like, a murder podcast. And mm-hmm. I think about how tragic this is. And mm-hmm. it doesn't, I don't know, not really yeah. thinking real clearly. But you can have both happiness and grief and sadness. Yes. And relief and yes (laughs) all of the things and it doesn't take away from the hard stuff yeah or the good good stuff stuff. Mm -hmm. totally in fact i think you should probably have multiple layers and kinds of feelings about and thoughts about things because that means you're in touch with it you're in touch with how you feel you're processing it you're getting up in it yes you're allowing yourself to just feel feelings and not place judgment on those feelings right because most things are not just one way or another, unless no. it's key lime pie, which is only oh. delicious. <laughs> Except for when it's gone, and then you're sad. Ah, oh, fuck. See? There you yeah. go. Yeah, and it's okay. It's okay to feel both ways. Yeah. That's and, all. But it's not really. I just want key lime pie permanently. I know. So No, I gotta be careful what I wish it. for, because that would be weird. <laughs> uh, no, no. Key lime pie should be like a once a month at the most type of... To yeah, it's a, the full. It's a potent dessert. It's a it's a yeah. very specific flavor that I don't want permanently in my mouth. I take it back. <laughs> but I would like it in my mouth tonight. So we're gonna go bye bye. I'm gonna off to the store. Yep, get my pie. And we will see you guys on another time. Love you guys so much. Goodbye. 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 Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.